Hello and welcome to the second episode of the Stress Sessions. This week my lovely wife Tara is back and we're going to delve deeper into what we really feel when we're anxious or depressed. What being anxious or depressed really means outside the diagnosis and go into more detail about our life stories including kids and marriage. So here we go. Welcome to episode two, and Tara's back, so hi. Hello. My wife. Back is... earlier than I thought, due to unforeseeable circumstances. Yes, that it was exactly what it is. <laughs> Unforeseen circumstances. But yeah, glad to be back. Yeah, it's, it's good. It's, I feel like it's quite good that you're back as well, because we, you're always here anyway. Yeah. But it's good that you're back, because... I feel like we didn't really get to speak about a lot of the stuff that we'd have liked to have spoken about in the last episode because I just rambled on about crap and we didn't really get into any of the details, really, did we? Uh, I don't think you rambled crap. I just think there's there's a lot to go through, really, and depending how much people want to know or whatever or how much things will help people, like we're willing to talk about it, aren't we? Yeah, and I... One thing that I wanted to say or, or start with was just the amount of kind of good feedback that we received on the back of the of the pilot and then the first episode. It's been really nice to hear from friends, family, people that you haven't heard of, for, heard from for years, complete strangers just messaging in and saying that the podcast has been relatable for them or it's actually helped them. So I found that really motivating for me to carry this on and keep going with it, really. Yeah, it's it's been really cool. Like I, I've even noticed going around friends' houses and things and meeting up for couples' dinners and stuff. Like, when people talk, talk to us about it and say, oh, it's really good and stuff, I've noticed chats with friends have been different and they've been a lot more open and... Like, friends have said, oh, yeah, like, we've been friends for years and I never knew that about you and stuff. And then off the back of that, it's made them more open, which has been really cool. And then, again, like Luke Luke said, the messages from people we don't know have just been awesome. Yeah, and I've received some inbox messages from friends and strangers and they've been really, really nice. Like, they've been really good to have because I feel like, I would have, yeah, it, it just gives you that motivation to keep going with it, really. And it's really nice to know that people are relating to what you're saying and that you're not just, I guess, the only person or only people out there that have got these sort of kind of issues, I guess. And like you said, when we have been around people's houses, we haven't spoken to people on that sort of level before. And it's really interesting that once you kind of open up yourself, that other people are willing to do so around you. Yeah, definitely. And... That's, that's been a really positive thing for me. And yeah, so I'd just like to say thanks to everybody that's messaged in, shared the posts that I've been posting, have listened to the podcast, have downloaded and subscribed. It's, I, I do really appreciate it because the more that the message gets out that we need to speak about these sort of things, that is, that's, that's the aim really, that's the goal. I like the comments where people say, well, it's so relatable because putting it out there we we were thinking oh god uh, some people are going to think we're absolute mentalists but when people are, turn around and say oh yeah that was all relatable it's like oh that's really cool <laughs> yeah yeah like we're not mentalists <laughs> no, no and it's nice to know yeah, yeah it's really nice to know so let's start off by talking about this week it's it's been a bit of a weird week really hasn't it because the weather's been absolutely horrendously hot and there's been a few things that have happened that have just been a bit weird. How's your week been, basically? Um, pretty average week, really. So hot, like mad hot. Um, yeah, and it kind of just puts you in a bit of a like bummer mood, really. Like, <laughs> yeah. I don't. Yeah, yeah, I feel like I'm not as positive as I normally would be on on here because it's just yeah, it just sucks all your motivation out of you. Yeah. But, yeah, just just to put this into perspective, we're sitting in Tara's same room, half naked, 
dripping with sweat because it's like a sweat box in this room and it's just absolutely disgusting. You know, we just like, it's it's over 30 degrees in there. I'm just sat in a bikini. And I'm just in shorts <laughs> and it's, it's just, it's just horrible. Like, it's, it's too hot. It's too hot this week. You know, yeah. what's that in between this week? It's like, it's a bit hot today. Yeah, too hot. Yeah. It's literally like that. <laughs> but it's, it's even like, we went out for dinner with friends last night, didn't we? And it was, I... I I kind of didn't want to go in a way because I couldn't, again, I, I didn't have any motivation to do anything. So I just wanted to sit indoors and mope around because it was too hot or just sit in a cold, lazy spa, just doing nothing really because it just saps all the energy out of you. So there's there's, there's nothing exciting that you want to talk about from your week at all. No, there's been nothing exciting this week. Um, we've must have done something good. There's, not, there's nothing good this week, it sucks. <laughs> Oh, but, no, there is something good. But. We're going away this weekend. So the first thing that I wanted to talk about was last time we spoke about our anxiety and depression and how we got help for that, why we got help for it, and all of the stuff around that. But we didn't actually speak about how it made us feel and the build-up to it. So I know that when I had my anxiety, I... It it may it sounds ridiculous, but and you, well, it doesn't sound ridiculous because you know this already. But I it made me anxious to know that I had anxiety, and it made me anxious in thinking about telling people about anxiety. And when I've looked it up, I've never been diagnosed with depression, but the sim the symptoms of depression are the exact symptoms that, that I have and that I feel every day, mm-hmm. and. I don't know if you had it when you went to the doctors when you were diagnosed, but they get you to sit down and do like, I don't know if it's a psychometric test or whatever, but you, you sit down and do like a little tick box exercise and then you can do them online as well. Like there's, there's di- different various websites to do them. Yeah. But I've, I did mine at the doctors and they were like, yeah, you're, you're anxious, you've got anxiety. And I was like, okay, cool. Well, I'll, I'll just take take that for granted. Like, I'll just take your advice on that. Blah, blah. And not until... Very recently, probably this week, I've because you I know you do a lot of research on stuff like this, and I I just go along with it and don't really don't really do the research. And you research the tablets, symptom, everything, and I, I'm just like, yep, yeah, I'm on these tablets, yeah, that's fine. I've looked at every single symptom of depression, and I've got every single one. So I'll go for the list. So the first one is continuous low mood or sadness. Yep, feeling hopelessness and and helpless. Yep, having low self-esteem. Yep, getting tearful. I get I get sad over the most ridiculous things sometimes, like a song or something on TV that shouldn't be making me sad. Feeling guilt-ridden. Yep, feeling irritable and intolerant of others all the time because every, every, I just hate <laughs> people. <laughs> having no motivation or interest in things. Yep, definitely had that. Finding it difficult to make decisions. <laughs> just always had that. Not getting any enjoyment out of life. I've said that I've definitely had that in the past. Feeling anxious or worried. Yeah. And then having suicidal thoughts or thoughts of harming yourself. Yeah. And I've explained that on Instagram and put a post up about it the other week. So I've just rambled on for a long time. But I just wanted to find out how how you got diagnosed and the feelings in building up to getting diagnosed for you personally. Yeah. So mine, as we said before, was depression. Um, I didn't know that I was depressed. I just knew that I wasn't myself. And then I knew that, like, I just would feel sad sometimes. Um, And it was basically, the reason I sort of sought help was because I wasn't enjoying anything. Like, nothing was making me happy. And we we did things like we went to um, a Christmas craft fair in, like, a big manor. And it's sort of thing where normally I would go there and I would be in my element, like this lovely food, drink, all crafts, just the whole Christmassy vibe of it, like with a little mulled wine and like, and just the backdrop of it of being like a massive manor and stuff. And then we were walk, we got parked in the car park and then we were walking up the hill to go to the fair. And then I was just like crying up the hill, wasn't I? Mm. And then I was, and then I was getting really panicky about walking up this hill. And it was like there was absolutely no reason for me to be panicking. Like it wasn't a crazy hill; it was just a little hill. 
And then, um, and then when we was at the the actual craft fair, I just got so upset that I was I wasn't enjoying it, and I just kept crying. And then then you feel worse because. Like I just felt like everyone was staring at me and I was like, I'm crying, everyone's staring at me, everyone thinks I'm crazy. And then Luke was like, no one's looking at you. Like everyone's just getting on with their business. Enjoying like, themselves. Enjoying yeah. themselves. Yeah. Like, no one's looking at you. Um, and then, so yeah, it's kind of like, you know something's not right, but you, you don't know what. It's just nothing's enjoyable. And then I kind of would force enjoyment. So if we were out with friends and stuff, I'd try and be happy and I'd be like yeah I am happy I'm having a good time and try and force that so then it was like then I'd think well, why am I happy when I'm out and then when I get home I feel really sad and you you can't describe it it's just like you just feel sad but then but I didn't know it was depression and then it wasn't until um I had bought Fern Cotton's book called Happy quite a few months before for Luke because she has a lot of coping mechanisms for anxiety in there um, it's actually a really good book if anybody wants to give it a go um, and then I decided to read it for myself and then I'd read it before actually for myself and then it was sort of like I could relate to some of the stuff she's talking about about anxiety and things like that um, but the first the very first chapter is about escaping the black and she just talks about basically depression and the first time I read the book, I couldn't relate to it at all and I skipped the whole chapter and then, because I was just like, I don't know what you're talking about, like, this means nothing. And then I picked it up again when I was in a really dark place and I read that chapter again and it was like exactly how I was feeling. And then I was just so upset because I was like, oh my God, like, that meant nothing to me before and now every word meant everything. And I was, I was just, like, a bit gutted. Um... And then when I went to the counsellor and explained how I was feeling, that's when she turned around and said, yeah, that is depression. And then you kind of feel relieved that they've given it, like she's given you that title. So it's like, okay, there is an explanation. Like, I'm not just going crazy. Like, there is an explanation of why I'm feeling this way. Like, mm. it is actually a thing. Um, and you've, she she basically advised me to take time off work and just chill out on the sofa and just watch TV. But I, I just said, like, I don't want to do that. I said, that like, I don't want to be months and months on end on the sofa. Because that, that's sort of the stereotype of depression. Like, what I thought it was, was someone that just is really sad and just lays in a dark room under the duvet for months on end. Just with like a hoodie up or something like that. Yeah. In a dark corner watching repeats of Corrie like or something like that. little goth kid. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then... Because that, that's what it's stereotyped as, isn't it? Yeah. Or, or it, it used to be. I don't think it's like that anymore, but it did a couple of years ago, or up to a couple of years ago, it definitely was stereotyped like that. Yeah, definitely. And I remember in the past, like, a friend saying... I said, like, I hadn't seen him for a long, long time. And then I said, oh, how have you been? And then he was like, oh, I've had depression. And I was like, oh, okay, that's really bad. And that's how I pictured. I just pictured him in bed, in a hoodie, in the dark, eating crisps. <laughs> yeah. And then, I, yeah, go on. When, it, when really it's, when you've got depression or anxiety, you just carry on with your life as normal even when you do know that you've got it, but then you have to make those adjustments to your life to try and kind of negate the anxiety and depression. To You kind of have to alter parts of your life to try and get rid of it. Well, not get rid of it, but try yeah. and... Yeah. I, I remember, so she told me to just stay on the sofa and chill, and I was like, I don't want to do that. Like, I don't think that would be good for me to do that. I don't, And I wanted to continue with work Purely because the worry and anxiety comes in of, oh, everyone's going to be talking about me if I'm not at work. And then when you go back, the anxiety of, oh, everyone's going to ask me why, like, why I was off and stuff. So I just didn't think that was good for me. So I said to her, I don't really want to do that. I don't think it would be good for me to do that. Um, and, then she, and then at the time, I was going to the gym every single day. And that's all I was doing. I was actually going to work, going to gym. Because... I had it in my head that 
like because the gym's good for lifting you and I was like if I don't go to the gym I'm not going to be happy <laughs> so literally I was just like I have to go to the gym I have to go to the gym because if I don't go to the gym I'm going to get sad and I was just like the gym was like I won't get sad if I go to the gym and then it's like it doesn't work like that you have to do lots of different little things like if you need to rest you need to rest if you need to go to the gym you need to go to the gym but I was just trying to do all or nothing mm. it's, and it's, re- it's really weird because I've I've always found it hard to express how I feel and and like how I feel with my anxiety then the way that I've always kind of talked about it is I get adrenaline rushes so you know like when you're playing sport or your your football team's just scored a goal or you've just done something really cool like a bungee jump or jumped out of an aeroplane you get that adrenaline rush don't you Mm. my anxiety is like having little adrenaline rushes constantly so it's and it's I've I haven't to this day met anybody that's had that sort of anxiety yeah it's really weird it's really weird I always remember before I'd experienced experienced it myself I would research online and then I'd say to you oh does yours feel like this does yours feel like this and then yours used to go no and then when us other friends would get anxiety and they'd tell me their symptoms and stuff I'd be like oh well this friend's symptom is like this is this what yours is like and then you'd be like no and then you started to sometimes think, oh, do they even have it? Because it's not the same as my one, mm. but it's because they're all different. Yeah, but it's, it's, it's really weird. So I, I noticed it today when, so this, this week, I've even though it's ridiculously hot, I've started, because we've started working at Tara's parents' house in the afternoon, Tara will drive down with our laptops at midday when we go on lunch and then I'll get my running stuff on and then run down to her parents' house. And today, for the first time, I got I kind of got around the corner to your parents' house or just, just before it. And I was like, I've got this adrenaline rush going on and it's the same adrenaline rush that I'd have just normally, but I'd kind of noticed it a little bit more when I was running. I just found it really weird because I was like, it kind of just honed in on that adrenaline rush. And that was yeah. the first time I kind of thought about it for for ages, and that's kind of why I brought it up today. But it oh, just kind okay. of it kind of brought back that feeling of, or unless my my mind had just completely forgotten about it. And but instead, it just it just came back to me, and I was like, "Oh, these bloody adrenaline rushes again!" And it's yeah, it's just, it's just a, it's just a really weird feeling because you get them basically whenever you don't want them they're in situations when you don't need to have adrenaline so it's when you're lying in bed trying to get to sleep or or you wake up with it first thing in the morning yeah or, or you wake up in the night and it's 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 really it's a really hard way to live because you yeah you just you're constantly sapped of energy it's very very tiring and and I think it it's partly due to the medication that I'm on, because I always feel like I'm quite sapped of energy all the time, and I always feel a bit beside myself. I don't ever feel feel like myself. And I think I talked about that a little bit in the last episode. But how, like, do you, do you ever get any feelings like that at all, or is it is that is it a completely different thing? So with the depression side, I've only talked about the depression side, I'll go into the anxiety side later. But with the depression side, it was like that I felt sad, I felt tired... I lost my appetite completely, just didn't ever feel hungry. So, and it's all things, you don't really notice they're happening. Like, you don't really notice that you've stopped eating. But other, and, other people notice it around you, though. Yeah, and then it's sort of, like, it's things like, because it was around Christmas time, and then it was having Christmas dinner and stuff, and then it was, like, daunting, because you think, oh, God, I've got to eat all this food, and I just don't feel hungry. Like, and, yeah, it's just very weird. And then you constantly feel tired and drained and you have no tolerance for people. Everyone's annoying. <laughs> I think that's just everyday life though. No, but it's like a different level of annoyance in it. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it's really hard to remember back. I've got actually here, um, I started doing a diary at the start of 2019, which is when I was like... 
at my worst. And basically I wrote in it what I did that day and then how I felt throughout the day. Because again, when you're in your depression, depressive state, it's very easy to think I've been sad all day. And then if you write a diary of how you felt, you realise, oh, I didn't feel sad the whole day. I felt sad like five hours of the day or whatever. Oh, this is nothing I had actually that I forgot until I've seen it written here is I had constant headaches, like literally everyday headaches. Mm. It was just horrendous. <laughs> um, yeah, so when I started this diary actually, I had just gone onto medication because um, the counsellor had recommended that I went on medication. I wasn't keen on the idea to be honest, but I was like, I'm literally going to do anything to try and get rid of this feeling. Um, and the whole process of getting on medication, I did not like because you go to a counsellor and they're like trained in that specialism. So when you go and speak to them, like they're really kind and they say all the right things. And then when I went to the doctors and I was like, I've been to a counsellor and she's advised that I go onto medication and then I just started crying on him. Because you don't expect it. No, and it's just the, wor the word, like saying the words, like, oh, I've got depression. Yeah. It's, it's like, did you, I felt a bit ashamed of myself at the time. It's yeah. like a bit of, you feel a bit of shame, I think. You feel, yeah, you quite, You feel like you've let yourself down. Kind of like, I felt like I had a little bit failed at life. Yeah, yeah. And you're like, going there going, I can't cope with life. I need to be put on tablets to cope with life. And then you, you're going in there and then they're like, okay, why do you think that? And then they, like you said, they give you a list of questions. So the, and the questions are, um, are you suicidal? Have you tried to kill yourself? Do you, do you think you'll try and kill yourself? And then it starts to put doubt in your mind. Do you think, well, am I depressed? Because I don't feel any of those things. And I haven't, like, started injecting myself with heroin or, like, the... whatever. And then you start to think, oh, am I a bit of a fraud? Like, am I being a drama queen? Yeah, yeah. But the, the thing is, and it's really interesting you said that, because, again, when I've done these online tests to see that, that, that are supposed to tell you if you're anxious or depressed, you if you don't tick the box that says you're suicidal... You're not depressed, apparently. Uh, like yeah. nine, nine times out of ten, it will say, "Yeah, you've got high anxiety, or you've got general anxiety disorder." You're not depressed unless you're suicidal, and I think that's bollocks. I think you can be depressed without being suicidal. I've I've felt suicidal before, but again, going back to that list that I read out earlier, I had all of those things, and I I think as well, like like my counselor said, I was quite self-aware by not wanting to sleep on the sofa all the time and I think that's why because you're catching the depression before it gets to that point where it's unbearable and you do want to kill yourself because wanting to commit suicide or whatever is just because you just can't cope with the situation anymore you don't actually want to die you just want to get out of the situation mm. and it that again it can be suicidal thoughts can be a split between a long-term situation that you can't cope with a long-term situation you've completely had enough of it you can't cope with it anymore it's been going on for I don't know a number of years months or whatever but then it can also be a split-second decision that you think no can't deal with this anymore can't deal with this one situation that that's just happened and I'm done yeah because I've I, and I've felt both of them I've I've felt I've been in both those situations yeah I remember what you said and it's it's very difficult to hear but, yeah. yeah, it's really hard. But it's but it, the thing is, is it's having when you do feel like that, the the thing that as being in those shoes, you need to, the thing that you need to hear is people that you've got the people around you, you've got a support network around you of people that are going to look not look after you but be there for you and listen listen to what you have to say having those honest talks as that person with those people and and just speaking about it and and I've I've said it all along since I've been recording this podcast and since I've been writing on my Instagram about 
just speaking and just telling people about how you're feeling and what's going on in your head is it's, it makes it so much better. It makes it so much better just to say, oh, I, I feel like this and... Yeah. It's, it, I think as well, really sometimes, weird. like, when when I was in the thick of it, I didn't even want to speak to people. I just wanted to be sat in the same room as someone. So I remember once I was in such a state and I couldn't chill in my in my house. You wasn't here. You'd gone away somewhere for the weekend, I think. And then I went to mum and dad's house and I still couldn't chill. And I was just like, oh, why can't I be calm? And then um, I decided to drive to my friend's house and then I said, can I come stay the night? Which is unusual because we don't really do that sort of thing. And then I went, so I went to hers and then literally I just sat on the sofa and then like looking back now, I must have looked so sad and I just sat there and then her, her dog came and sat on my lap and literally just like sat on my lap the whole evening, just like, and I was like, oh, dogs are so good. Like they just know when stuff's bad. Mm. And now I feel like this, sounds ridiculous, but I feel like this dog knows now because whenever I go... <laughs> He's always like, oh, she's here. And I think he just wants to look after me. Yeah. Pets do know, though. Anim- animals aren't stupid. Yeah. Like, they know when... They they know emotion, I think. Like, even Philly knows emotion, doesn't he? Mm, he knows when you're definitely. sad. He, he'll come and sit in the same room with you if he knows you're sad. Yeah. So, yeah, it was like that situation. I didn't even, like, need to speak. I just wanted to be near people and, like, around people. Mm-hmm. And, yeah... Friends like that are very, very good. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I agree. So going back to going to the doctors and getting put on medication. So they said about um, putting me on tablets and they, they literally just give you tablets. And then <laughs> yeah. like, I'm crying my eyes out and he's like, is a tissue? Is your prescription <laughs> tablets? And then you're like, oh, okay. It's this is bye. strange. <laughs> and then I started taking these tablets and... Um, it's kind of a bit trial and error with tablets. Like, the ones I got put on first didn't agree with me at all. And then they made me have really, really bad anxiety. And, again, like, it was horrendous. But, in a way, it's kind of not good, but you can then empathise and relate when someone is in, like, mad, bad anxiety patch. Because it's like, okay, those tablets made me have that. So now I can kind of relate to it. So, for example, one of the days I went to a football match in London with my dad. And I was really nervous about going. And normally going to London is like fun. It's always fun. And like I love football matches. I don't particularly enjoy football, but I love the atmosphere of it. Like, I love everyone shouting and like being leery and kind of feeling like everyone's in it together kind of thing. I like that part of football. Mm. And then I was nervous about going. I was nervous about the crowds. Um, Like, we was on the train and it was really busy and I was just getting so panicked and then I felt like I couldn't breathe. And then I I sat on the floor and then it was, like, getting worse. I felt like I couldn't breathe, I couldn't breathe. And then I was like, oh, my God, like, what's going to happen because I can't breathe and I can't get off the train. So by the time we got to Euston, the train cleared out and I got onto the platform and then I was like, oh my God, I can breathe. And then I was just like crying again, just like so panicked. And then I do think like my dad must have been like, what on earth is going on here? Because I've never done anything like that before ever. No. So there was that scenario. And then another scenario, again, was linked when I was on those tablets is when I had a major panic attack. And that was my first ever panic attack. And it was, um, I bought an industrial sewing machine and we were bringing it up the stairs. And it was so heavy because it's solid metal and then all the frames like solid metal. And it was so, so heavy. And I just got it into my head that I was going to drop this sewing machine and it was just going to take you out on the stairs. And it was, you were going to die. It wasn't gonna... <laughs> you were going to die because it's solid metal and you're going to get so badly injured and it'll be all my fault. And literally, I just started having a panic attack. And then it's like, what? Like, and then when you're in a not anxious mind or a not depressed mind and you think about it, you're like, that is crazy. Yeah. And it's kind of scary, like, what your brain can do. 
because it can literally like flick a switch so you, you'll feel mad anxious and then you you have all these crazy thoughts like that like oh my god Luke's gonna die and then it'll flip back and then you're like well that was a mental thought like <laughs> yeah yeah that's it's like when when I was saying about the fleas last time that I feel like I had fleas and then I just like literally had a meltdown over fleas in the house but it it just it happens doesn't it like, and I think that is part and parcel of having anxiety and depression yeah they that kind of battle against each other yeah yeah strange one but with you're you're speaking about your diary like and at the same time as this Tara bought me a diary to start writing in and I I was very reluctant to do it and I, I know that it does help some people and it I, I personally didn't think it was for me I I, I have trouble in writing down I, I've I've trouble speaking about how I feel let alone writing it down so when you bought me this diary I was being like oh I don't want to do this and I started doing it and it's it's like you said earlier you you instantly hone in to the worst feeling that you've had that day and I just remember it was one week and I was like yeah well, I felt sad and angry yeah I'm sad and angry again this day oh next day sad and angry again and I was like no this isn't working for me and I think it it's it's another thing that it's just trial and error of coping techniques so it's not like a one thing fits every person you've I think when when you're going through anxiety or depression you have to basically it's like having the medication you have to trial and error everything and anything to try and fit find what fits you yeah so I've just found like a one week here so it's like Monday and it says work and then my mood was low agitated tired and sad and then when I look at what I've written I've written I didn't want to talk to anyone at work I hated everyone and everything (laughs) proper proper switched off in my own little world really sad this evening and low not feeling well so gutted I can't go to the gym and then the next day it's happy confident free carefree chilled and then it's like oh I spoke to this friend today um she opened up about her anxiety which is really nice to have someone to talk to um I had a drink today and that's been something I've been worrying about and then it's sort of so the drink thing I basically when I went on the tablets I didn't want to have any alcohol because I just didn't think it was a good mix which I still don't think it is um but then it's sort of the difference between the two where low mood tired sad where I said I didn't talk to anyone compared to the next day I spoke to my friend and she opened up to me about anxiety and then I'm happy confident carefree chilled it's crazy but I've, I think going back to again the the very beginning of me saying that people have opened up to me that have listened to the podcast because I've opened up to them on a on a big scale it because somebody's opened up to you about your anxiety and then you've spoken to them about it it makes you feel so much better it make it, it's it's literally like a weight's lifted off your shoulders i think definitely and i think that's probably part of the reason why that was a good day because you've spoken about it and you've heard from somebody else that they've had problems as well and it's like for instance the other day i was i was speaking to somebody else i went to uni with and I, i've not spoken to her for a very long time and we we were talking about our experiences and stuff and just just by talking to one another about kind of stuff in in in, in between like university that we didn't know about each other it just really it kind of lifted a weight off my shoulders with stuff and i think with any situation that makes you feel bad talking about it makes it a hundred times better and I can't emphasise that enough. Yeah, definitely. I agree. Hopefully it's what we're talking about. It's kind of, you can follow it because it's really hard to remember what happened at what points and what feelings you had at what points. And it's kind of, you think, oh yeah, I remember how, when I felt like that at that point and I remember how when I felt like that at that point. But you, over time, you forget about the terrible feelings, and then you do think, "Oh, I just like I, I just felt sad on this one point," and then 
like just looking through the diary now, you're like, oh, whoa, I forgot about that feeling and that feeling. And there's just so many different feelings. It's just mad. Yeah. But I've had it. So I was on antidepressants for a year. And then January this year, actually, I decided to come off them. Um, but it's a process. You have to keep lowering your dosage. Um, you can't just come off them, otherwise it like really messes with your head. So you have to keep going down and down. And I kind of wanted to come off them because I didn't really feel like they were doing a lot anymore because I felt a lot happier in myself. Um, and also I find I found with the tablets, like my dreams were so vivid and just mental dreams that it kind of felt like when you wake up in the morning as if you've been awake all night because your dreams were so my dreams were so realistic that it just felt draining (laughs) so I kind of thought well I'm kind of coping in real like real life now so I kind of think I might try and come off them and then yes I started weaning off in January and then then it was sort of quite difficult because then corona came and it was sort of like all the routine and stuff went out the window so it was really hard so I sort of had that and then as well as when you're coming off the tablets as well you you have loads and loads of side effects coming off them um I think some people don't have many but some people have loads and I had loads so it was really hard and it basically kind of you have it feels like you're going back to the start and it feels like all of those bad depression and anxiety feelings you had at the start have all come back and then you start to doubt yourself and you think oh should I be coming off these because I'm getting all these feelings back and you've done that a, a few times haven't you you've been yeah you sort of like got to a stage where you've been like oh I've been off the tablets and I feel like this this one time and like at this one point of the day I think I should go back like do you think I should go back on them and I'm just like no yeah I kept meeting up with friends and meeting up with you and being like should I be doing it should I be coming off them and then everyone's like yes it's only this one time that you're feeling that you shouldn't do it and then um so the symptoms that I had when I was coming off them is I felt sick um I felt like I had like period cramps I had trouble sleeping um, and then I'd have all the weird dreams and stuff, but they were kind of had them anyway. Um, but yeah, the tr- and then um, I'd feel dizzy quite a lot. And then I'd have like restless legs, so I could never keep my legs still. And my legs just like, as soon as you think, oh, I'm going to chill out, your legs just wake up and they're like, <laughs> just all over Yeah, the and I was, I'd be like, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah. I'd just be like kicking around in the bed and it's like, what are you doing? It was like, as soon as you're about to drift off to sleep, no, your legs want to wake up. And it's just like crazy. Um, I would be like mood swings, like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's so basically put it into perspective. Women are on their period once a month. It was literally like you was on your period a couple of times a week. It was it was that bad. It was honestly that bad. Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, I'd feel agitated, anxious, manic, irritable. Um, and then I was like mad sensitive to sounds. So our next door neighbours are quite loud anyway. We've got a lot of issues God, with that. God, like, yeah, we find them quite difficult with having um, anxieties and stuff. Like sometimes we just need quiet and then they're so like banging and it just doesn't help the situation. So then it's sort of like my hypersensitivity sensitivity to sounds, like, Every sound was just too much for me. So it's even like when we were watching TV, I'd be like, turn it down, it's so loud. And you were like, I can't hear it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, once you go through that for two to three weeks, all of a sudden you're like, oh, I'm back to myself again. And then, yeah, I'm glad I come off him. But I'm not saying they're bad, just... No, and I think, again, it is trial and error because I, I can't, can't remember what I said in the last podcast, but I've, I've recently just changed the, the medication I've on. This is, this is the third time that I've changed it. And even now, I don't, I don't know how, again, I've not done any research on them. I've just started taking them. But they do take a good couple of weeks to start kicking in, don't they? And I think I've been taking them for about two just over two weeks probably now. Mm-hmm. So 
they probably wouldn't have started to take effect yet. It's probably going to be over the course of the next couple of weeks that I might start feeling slightly different. Um, and the, the one the one reason why I came off the last tablets, which is sertraline, is because I, I've heard other people say that for them, they're quite a stabilising type of medication and they make you feel quite neutral. So where you'll be worrying about everything and anything and everything, you'll kind of like be a bit more chilled out. And I, I just didn't get that. I, I just felt tired and like sluggish constantly. I, I didn't ever feel neutral. I didn't ever feel myself on them. And, I tr- and you always struggle to concentrate on things, don't I've, you? Yeah, I've always had that. But again, that's that's one of the the one symptoms of depression. Yeah. And that's why I'm always a bit like, I've never actually been diagnosed with depression. Why have I never been diagnosed with depression? Even though I can literally tick every single box on that list yeah and I think it's mad and yeah it's kind of a bit like how many other people are going through this cycle that I'm going through and being either being diagnosed with the wrong disorder being put on the wrong tablets being given the wrong tablets for the complete wrong thing and I don't think I don't know if there is a right answer but I feel like something needs to happen where having a mental health disorder is taken I know it's been taken more seriously now but it, it there needs to be more kind of studies and trials with it rather than just a guessing game with different types of medication because it like it could be dangerous for some people taking lots of different types but I feel like it would be good to for them to sort of identify oh these are your symptoms these are the, the exact symptoms you're having and put them on put you on the right tablets from the beginning so that they actually have an effect rather than having to go through this weird cycle year in, year out. Yeah. Yeah, I kind of agree because the first ones I was on gave me crazy anxiety and then, like, I was scared to go to the shopping centre, which I is somewhere that I go every single day, like, in normal life when I'm at work, when I'm not working from home. I was, like, genuinely scared. I was like, oh, God, it's going to be busy. And then you think, why am I scared to go up there? Like, I go there every day. Like, this is mad. Um, but then, I don't know, it's hard. I don't want to fully slag off medication. No, I think but... it's good. It's definitely good. And it's and it work, It does work for a lot of people. Yeah. It definitely does work. Because I've, I've... Some of the people I've spoken to have said, yeah, it's done wonders for me. And mm. they, they have had to change medication, the medication that they're on, to find the right one. But when they found the right one, it's great for them. Mm. So it's, it's a positive thing. But until you do find the right one for you, it's a bit of a pain in the ass. Yeah. And I'm still going through that that kind of cycle, I think, five five years in, <laughs> which, is, yeah. which is fun. But personally, I feel like I got more out of counselling than I did the tablets. But like I said, I would try anything. <laughs> like I just didn't want to have that feeling anymore. Yeah, and it's like the different the different help me- methods. So like going to see a counsellor or taking medication or something simpler than those things. Like each one's going to be slightly different for different people in in the same way that meditating will be good for some people but not for others. I or about meditating as well. You just interrupted me. Sorry. I'll just keep going. <laughs> but what I'm trying to say is basically not one shoe fits all. Is that the right thing? A shoe, yeah. shoe fitting fit. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. Like Cinderella. Yeah, different things that help different people, and that's what I've found out. Because you'd be like, "Oh, why don't you try doing this?" And I'm like, "It doesn't work. I don't want it like the diary thing. It doesn't work for me." Yeah. And yeah, there is like for me, I know that exercise works for me. I'll go for a run. And I know that I would have burned off some of my adrenaline by having adrenaline whilst I'm running because I can feel that I've got it and then I won't have it when I finish running. And that, yeah, exercise really helps with me. And I've talked about that already, so I won't go into it anymore. Mm-hmm. So in the first episode, we talked about the pressures of growing up and being an adult. And I know that at the time we felt like we had pressures when we were growing up and becoming adults, of getting married, having kids. I know you were quite keen to talk about it, so, yeah, do you want to shed a little bit of light? Yeah, definitely. So I feel like in the, in the pilot episode, we sort of told our story of step-by-step step of we got together and we bought a house and then we got married, but we didn't kind of go into the getting married bit. But it's, 
like you constantly had people, didn't you, going, um, when are you going to propose? When are you going to propose to Tara? Your granddad's. Yeah. Constantly. <laughs> Every like, time we saw him, he was like, so when are you two going to get married? And I was like, hmm. And then I had my granddad going to me, oh, you're going to get married before I die, aren't you? And it's like, yes, yeah. are you serious? <laughs> like, I don't. I mean, because at this point we've been together like eight years, haven't we? And everyone yeah. was like, "Oh my god, when are you going to do it? Like you've been together for eight years." And then you you just kept being like, "The more people go on, the more I'm not going to do it." So, and then I was sort of like, "Yeah, can everyone pipe down? Because I want to get married at some point." Like, <laughs> um. But then it's funny because when I actually did propose, people were shocked. <laughs> so it's yeah, because you battled back so much saying, no, I'm not going to do it. And then you did it and everyone was like, oh my God. Um, but yeah, it's kind of one of those annoying things where it's, again, like, what's it got to do with anyone else? Like, when we get married? And the same with having kids, really. Like, everyone's constantly with us. Oh, do you reckon you'll have kids soon? When do you reckon you'll have kids? Like, do you reckon you'll have kids? And stuff and personally, I just think that's such a rude question. Yeah, it is. But I think it's because of, one, the way that people are brought up, and two, people like to put time frames and ages on everything. So it's kind of a bit like when you hit your 20s, you should have a serious girlfriend or boyfriend. And then when you hit 25, you should be married. And have a career. And have a career yeah. and be earning a billion pounds a month. And then when you hit late 20s or whatever, oh, you should have three kids and like all this money to like support these kids and do all these cool things. And yeah, it's it's like, that's not real life, is it? Yeah. It's not, that's not realistic. So it's kind of like for us, um, like when we got married, we actually got married at a really bad time because it was like peak anxiety time for you, wasn't it? Yeah, it was horrible. And... <laughs> It was kind of like the pressure of a wedding and stuff is just horrendous. The worst timing. Yeah, we. I, I mean, I personally, I don't think we helped ourselves with that either because we did everything ourselves. We literally did everything ourselves because we were like, All right, we know what we want to do. Nobody yeah. else will be able to do it. And looking back, I'm a bit like, if we wouldn't have put those pressures on ourselves, maybe I wouldn't have been a bit. I would have been a bit better and I wouldn't have been as anxious, but I probably would have. Well, you would have, because it was your worst time. Yeah, yeah, but, but... I, I think that that was a big pressure at the time. And yeah. I think that, again, if anybody's listened to this that's thinking of getting married and thinking of doing everything themselves, if you can afford not to do it yourselves, don't. Well, I because think... it's, it is Because it takes a lot of time up and you kind of do put a lot of pressure on yourself to get stuff done, don't you? Well, I think, like... Basically, we handmade everything ourselves. Yeah. That's what you mean by we did ourselves. Oh, yeah, yeah. We were sitting so, at the table with a glue gun and and paper, like, every Yeah, like, we handmade all of our invitations, all of the place names for the guests. Seat the favours, seating plan. Absolutely everything. Even down to bridesmaid dresses. I wanted to do my wedding dress as well, and Which my mum said no. Insane. Yeah. I, I literally wanted to make everything myself I think you'd have got like anxiety or depression a lot quicker if you well I was very stressed out during that period yeah and like because we we literally made everything all the decoration for the place mm-hmm. everything and then also we were like stressing out as well because again looking back now I really wanted a small wedding I didn't want loads and loads of people there and we had both fam- sides of families trying to add on people I don't and think we were like it wasn't both it was both. Okay, well, it's more one person, dad. <laughs> and we were like, this isn't what we want. Like, we don't... Like, again, like, I wasn't very confident then. And I was just so worried about what everyone would think and say and all of that. Which now, I think, is absolutely ridiculous. But at the time, I was like, oh, God, I don't want all these people looking at me and thinking, like, I'm centre of attention and, like thinking I love myself or whatever and sort of that point when you're getting married and you're walking down the aisle like I I don't know I loved it like when the music hit and it when the music came and I just started crying instantly because the music was really like moving 
But then the fact that everyone was looking at me crying, I hated it. And then I like ran down that aisle so yeah. fast. And then my dad was like, slow down, slow down. Because he was really wanting to enjoy walking me down the aisle. But I was just like, all these eyes are on me right now. I hate it. And then... I was the same. Yeah. I, I didn't even look at you when you walked down the aisle. I was... Fa- and like, honestly, I, I would have probably had a meltdown at the altar if it wouldn't have been for Lewis, who was one of my best men. And... He, he he was so good like he he like cuz that like my friends Lewis and Martin they know they know how I feel they know what I'm feeling and when and they can kind of pick up on little things that I do and I was just literally silenced at the order and Lewis is like do you want me to stay here until Tara starts walking down and I was like yeah, <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and also you can see it like the all the photos we the photographer sent us every single photo he took and it's just thousands and thousands of pictures and those photos make me really sad because you can really see it in your eyes like that you're anxious and stressed like your whole body language and like your eyes just look so sad Mm. and and then it it kind of upsets me a little bit now as well like because when I arrived and saw you and I could see it in your face, and, like, I really, really, like, wanted to just give you a hug and, like, pull you outside for two minutes just to sort of calm you down and go, it's all right, Holmes, and have a hug. Because I knew, like, straight away if I said to you, it's all right, Holmes, and we had had a cuddle, like, you would have been fine straight away. Mm. But again, it's worrying what other people are thinking of, if I was to pull you out, everyone would be like, oh! Why has she pulled him out? Yeah, like, and just think the worst. Yeah. And jump to conclusions straight away, because that's what people do. <laughs> yeah, and again, it's just constantly worrying about what other people thinking, and it's like, why Why did I care yeah. Like what other people think? And again, crying, like, everyone looking at me crying, didn't want them to see that, and like, but, I didn't want it in the photos, me crying. And now, you, yeah, and now <laughs> we'd be like, like, I think now we'd be, I think we'd be fine now. Yeah. I think I'd still have a bit, I'd still be a bit like, anxious about it but I don't I feel like I'd feel a lot better now if we got married yeah and it was even stuff like the first dance I built that first dance up in my head a lot because I can't dance and we didn't have any training or anything I know people have like actual training don't they to yeah for their first wedding dance so we sort of like walked around a little bit in the middle and then we're like Come on, open it. Come, come and dance with us. Remember, yeah. it, was, it, was, it was just stuff like that. That was. We were, we that should have been nice moments. Like the DJ said to us, "Okay, so um, like you can dance, and then at any point, give me the nod, and I'll invite everyone." It was in. like thirty seconds. And in. we we danced like two seconds, and we were like, "Okay, can we get everyone else in yet? Can we get them in yet? Is it too early to get them in? Let's get them in." <laughs> yeah. And it was literally like immediately, and then like the relief, like straight away. Yeah, but it's just so. Yeah, and. Like the the bit I hated the most is when um, they made us like stand out in the corridor and then everyone sat down for food and then everyone then oh, they were like yeah. the bride and groom and then we had to walk in and then everyone's clapping us and then and then I had to sit down in my chair and I, I had the biggest wedding dress it was like um, big fat gypsy wedding no, it, was, <laughs> it was like really it was classy. Um, but it was like nine layers of fabric and it was proper uh, like Cinderella, Beauty and the Beast yeah, kind nice. of dress. Yeah. Because um, I thought, if you're getting married, that's the only time you'll ever get to wear a dress like that. Like, you'll never ever get to wear a dress like that again. Hmm. Um, and then I had to sit down in my chair in this dress and everyone, again, everyone's looking at you and I'm like, I'm going to fall off this chair. Because it's like, I can't even feel the chair under at least nine layers of fabric. <laughs> yeah. And it's sort of all of those points are the points of the wedding that I just didn't enjoy. And then all the bits I did enjoy was like when it was just me and the girls and we we're getting ready and I was so chilled. And then like the makeup lady was saying, oh, I've never seen such a chilled bride. But I think I'd had my little panic attack the day before. <laughs> yeah. Um, and the bits where it was like, Basically, the bits where people weren't staring at you and you weren't centre of attention. Hmm. Yeah, and looking back now, it's even 
I've just I've just thought of it now. I I changed my suit about a week before we got married, and so I I got my suit from a very known, a very well known suit retailer and hired out all of the best men's suits, my suit, and then like your brothers, my dad's, and all of that. So it all so everybody is matching. And it got to a week before, and I was like, I don't like it. I don't like this suit. So I ended up ordering another suit from Debenhams and it, it, I, I ended up wearing that one. But it's just like, I think now I I kind of think, I think I wouldn't be as bothered about stuff like that. Yeah, I think... It's just, it just seems like such an insignificant thing now, looking back on it. Yeah. And it's funny as well, because when we got married, we were the first... Well, our wedding was the first wedding you'd been to as an adult, wasn't it? Yeah. And then yeah. I'd only been to a couple before, but it was never close people. So you didn't. Really. So I didn't know what to expect at all. And then, it's really um, weird. so it kind of sucked that we were the first ones out of our friend group because we hadn't been to any of us. We had nothing to compare to. We were just looking at all these like magazines and brochures and stuff of how to do it and going along with it and being like, oh, it has to be perfect. And then when you're a guest at a wedding. You don't really care. All you really care about is getting pissed. Yeah. Like and drinking out of the free bar. Yeah. yeah like much. you don't care about the the bride's handmade all this stuff everywhere. You're, you're literally there for a piss up and is there enough food that I can eat? That's literally yeah. the two things that you care. Like and uh, even the main meal nobody cares about. It's the it's the food that comes later on when you're pissed. So it's like our our wedding. We had what was it bacon sandwiches and stuff like that and wedges yeah and then i remember we was at we was at a friend's wedding and the, this food van rocked up at like eight o'clock and i was it was it was just it was the best so i, I just think that yeah if you're if you're a guest at a wedding it's just all about the food and drink and that's literally it yeah you're there you're there to have a good time get pissed and that's basically it yeah i think as well like because when you're getting married the year or two years before where you're planning it like, if that is everything to you, it's your life. And then, like, no one else cares. Like, literally no one else cares until it's the day of the wedding. Unless you're a real close friend or a real close family member. Like, yeah, so I just think, if you are going to get married or whatever, just chill out, like, chill out of it and enjoy don't put, it. Don't put pressure on yourself. Yeah. And it's, it's a bit like, so we, we, know, we know some people who were supposed to get married this year and their wedding weddings have been cancelled because of the whole COVID-19 situation which is which is really bad and it must be really horrible for them but at the end of the day me as a guest I've still got that wedding to look forward to as a guest and it's still going to happen it'll just happen next year and I think that in my mind I'm like oh I'm still going to those weddings they're still going to be lovely still still going to have a good day but then as that person having those weddings cancelled, you're going to be pissed, aren't you? You're going to be yeah. so annoyed. But it's, I think people do put too much pressure on themselves about the whole wedding day experience of getting married at their own wedding. Yeah, definitely. And I kind of like remember other brides that are engaged at the same time as me and they would sort of say, like, oh, so where are you getting married? And it was like as if it's a competition. <laughs> and I'm like... Manor. <laughs> I'm like, oh, Essex. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, oh, why Essex? Dunno. Literally dunno, really. There's <laughs> a good story behind it. It's because it's half, It's kind of halfway, isn't it? Between yeah, it's halfway Kent. between the two families, so we thought it would be unfair to make one side of the family so we just made, travel. We just made so everybody we, stay over. <laughs> we, made, we made everyone travel. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just find that mad when like people try and compete with you, and it's like, what are you competing for? Like, it's just a wedding day. Like, it should be personal to you, not to other people. Yeah. So just to make it clear, we did actually really enjoy our wedding day, and it's a really good experience. And we can't thank our parents enough for one paying for a third of the wedding each because that was lovely that they did that because we wouldn't have been able to afford it otherwise. And it was just lovely to spend good time with friends and family. Yeah, like it was, it's the one and only time that we will ever have both parts of the family and both sets of friends all in one room. And like the the kindness of everyone and just like the nice, com- like well wishes and stuff was just overwhelming. Like when we were opening the cards and presents the next day and stuff, it was just so like, just overwhelming really, wasn't it? Yeah, it's um, lovely, yeah. 
so it's like the wedding day isn't all bad it's just this bits where you have to be sent of attention i just didn't like it yeah and it's and it's building those big parts up in your head and making making yourself stressed out about yeah. it, isn't it really so yeah it is i think if you are going to get married and if you're thinking about getting married do it but don't get too hit up with the finer details and just enjoy yourself because at the end of the day you only you only get that day hopefully once in your lifetime and you want to enjoy it and yeah i, I can recommend that more yeah definitely um and that that kind of like takes us onto the whole having kids situation and we're both in our early 30s now and we are, we have talked about it, haven't we we've talked about we do, we want kids we both want kids don't mm-hmm. we and you just I, people have stopped asking I've, well me I, I used to get asked a lot oh when am I going to have kids people have stopped asking now because I feel like we're on the verge of like being too old to have kids but I, I, I do want kids I just don't want them now and we when we were younger we uh, we put that time frame on ourselves to have kids by the time we we're 30 and looking back you're a bit like well, well you we can't wait we didn't put a time frame on ourselves you, th- you just think you just start to think oh when you're getting th- to 30 you're getting a bit old but again i think that's because other people tell you that so it, it, it's like as soon as we got married everyone's like oh so um you're going to have kids now because you're married and then we were like, no, 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 no. And for us, it, it was a mixture of, we still had some growing up to do, to be honest. Like, we weren't in a right, right place to have kids. We were it's, still acting like 20-year-olds. Well, and, and for me, is me, me, me personally, I, I probably up until very, very recently, or even still, I, I have trouble looking after myself still. That's what let, I... let alone children. So I'm a bit like, I don't want to have kids until I know that I can be a responsible parent and can look after a child. Like I, don't, I, don't, I don't think that it would be right for us to have kids whilst one of us is in that situation. Well, that's what I was going to say. Like, It was the fact that we were still acting quite young and also the fact that neither of us were in a Stable good position. place mentally <laughs> yeah. to have yeah. kids. Like, we couldn't physically look after ourselves, let alone look after a baby. Like, mm. we weren't coping with real, normal life anyway. So that's why I think it's kind of rude when people ask you those questions, because we weren't in the place to have kids because of our mental health issues. Yeah. But then other people are trying and struggling to have kids. Yeah. And then they're getting asked those questions and getting comments like, oh, you'll be next and things like that. And I just think, that's so rude. Well, especially when, if you're trying for kids, you're like, oh, you'll be you'll be next. It's like, well, I wish I could be next because I've been trying to have kids for like, yeah. God knows how long. Like I, I've sort of in the past thought, like when people ask me that question of going, oh, no, I can't have them. <laughs> just to see their reaction, but then you don't attempt fate, do you? Yeah. But yeah. It, I, yeah, I just think it's a rude question. Yeah. And I... The, yeah, the I think the, the key thing from that is don't ask people when they're going to have kids because, one, they might not want kids. Two, they might be in the process of trying to have kids. Or three, they're just not ready yet. Mm-hmm. Like, it's... It, it's it, and it is rude because you wouldn't go up to somebody and go... Oh, um, it's, it's it's basically like going up to somebody that's just met and going, oh, you're going to get married then? <laughs> I was like, like, do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, you seem to be getting on well. Oh, you're on your first date. When are you getting married? But like, do you know what? It's, it's, it's like a really personal question that you can't answer. Like, you, you don't know until, until you know as a couple. Like, you, could, yeah. you can't make that decision. Yeah. You can't make it. Well, it's sort of like, it's only very, very recently that we've started to think, oh, we're actually both in a lot, lot better position with our mental health. Um, Like, we both can cope with it a lot better. Like, it's only sort of, probably in the last, well, probably since January, really, that we thought, oh, actually, do you know what? We probably could because we are in a really decent place now. 
and like we're about to get get a new house that's a four bed house and stuff so we are sort of thinking oh like probably in the next couple of years or whatever but again we don't know we might not even be able to have kids I've, we've just got a little fur baby yeah philly's philly's all right for the minute he's yeah well we both look after him like a baby anyway don't we so yeah yeah but yeah i think that's about it really on weddings and kids just don't be rude and don't put pressures on yourself you don't need to have yeah don't put pressures on other people because you don't know what they're going through you don't know what they're going through in their life and like just to give them that added pressure that they don't need is just horrible because we've both experienced it so yeah just leave people alone basically <laughs> <laughs> yeah so i just want to say thanks for stepping in literally at the last minute and helping me record this podcast it's it's been it's been emotional again and um <laughs> Yeah, we've got to wrap up now because Tara's got a nail appointment in 15 minutes. So (laughs) we've literally got to wrap up. So, yeah, thanks for listening. And, yeah. Yeah, thanks for having me. Hopefully, again, hopefully this episode was helpful to somebody and we didn't just ramble on and chat crap. Yeah. Yeah, so (laughs) thanks for listening and bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to episode two of the Stress Sessions. And remember to download, subscribe and keep sharing all of my content because essentially I just want to get people speaking. So thanks and have a good day.